The last few weeks have been anything but beautiful. We've seen yet again the horrific impact of racism and the aftermath of protests and anger and hurt. And I felt compelled to speak today, but I also felt overwhelmed. What do you say? Pastor Jeff gave us a great sermon last Sunday, and I decided that in preparing for my sermon today, I would start by going back to our lectionary texts, and that's where I want to begin. The Gospel of Matthew, the first thing that we need to know is that it was written in the midst of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was a wonderful place to live if you were part of the elite. If you were a Roman citizen and you had money and you had power, it was great. But for everyone else, it was not so great. There was disparity, there were high taxes, there was abuses for everyone else in the Roman Empire, including the Jews to whom Jesus belonged. Life was challenging, and the people longed for justice. And that reminds me of where we're at in our world today. I've been trying to do some reading lately, and one of the books that I'm reading is by Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, and it's called Stamped from the Beginning. And in the book, he shares that in 2016, African Americans accounted for 13.2% of the total population of our country, but they owned only 2.7% of our total wealth, and they made up 40% of those incarcerated. That is staggering disparity. One of my Facebook friends, Amy, a white woman who is married to a black man, shared recently that her husband never speeds when he's driving, not even a few miles over, because he's too afraid to give a reason to be pulled over. Another author that I've been reading, Ijoma Oluo, shares a story that when she was a young girl, her mother taught her to never put her hands into her pockets when she was in a store, because the store employees would think she was stealing. Yet another author, Austin Channing Brown, wrote that when she was seven years old, her mother told her that she had been named Austin so that when she grew up and she started applying for jobs, potential employers would believe she was a white man based on her name and they would give her an interview. Her parents were worried that if she had a, quote, black-sounding name, she wouldn't even get an interview. I mean, my goodness. Those experiences are so far out of my normal. They just, they blow my mind. I have never 
one time in my life worried about putting my hands in my pockets in a store. I've never worried that my name would disqualify me from even getting a job interview. And I've certainly never worried that speeding would get me anything other than a speeding ticket. It sounds to me like life in our country for non-whites is as challenging as life in the Roman Empire was for the non-elite. So let's go back to our gospel. What was Jesus' response to the masses of hurting people around him? Verse 36 tells us that when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Now, this is one of those places where the English translation of the Greek, it, it just falls short. Because compassion, it sounds like a really, really nice feeling. You know, we're, we're moved in our hearts. But in Greek, compassion is so much more guttural than that. It's, it's gut-level, bowel-level even, agony. When Jesus looked and saw, he was gut-punched with agony. His heart shattered. And even more, in the Greek, it's, it's an active thing. Jesus did not feel sorrow and sit back and feel sorry. He acted, he moved, he touched, he healed. And why was he so moved? Again, the English falls a little bit short. It tells us that he was moved because the people were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. But that can also be translated as they were scattered, neglected, abandoned, exhausted, cast away, dispirited. He saw their mess. He saw their losses, their hopelessness, their hurt, their fears. He saw he was moved and he acted. And he sees our mess too. He sees the hurt that we inflict on each other. He sees our pain and our brokenness and our hopelessness. And he is moved with that same gut punch, agony of sorrow. He sees us as we are, and he loves us as we are. That is amazing grace. Romans 5.8 tells us that God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now that's where we start. We have to start here in the midst of this overwhelming 
mess that we're in, we have to start with Jesus' love and compassion for all of us. He is here in our mess, and he is loving all of us in our mess. It's where we start, but it's not where we stop. Go back to the text. What did Jesus do? He, he saw the people. He was moved with, with deep guttural agony. He healed. He touched. And then what did he do? He called his disciples to him, and he commissioned them to go out and extend his ministry even further. He empowered them. He shared his message, his call, and he sent them out. Now, surely, for such an important job as this, Jesus would call only the best and the brightest, right? But <laughs> this list of disciples is far from the cream of the crop. We have a group of nobodies. We have some disciples who are headstrong. We have disciples who are doubtful. We have disciples who are not very imaginative. None of them are, are terribly faithful. We have disciples who are known sinners. We have some disciples who are not even notable enough to get their name on every list of the disciples we find in the Gospels. And this is who Jesus calls to extend his ministry. This group of broken nobodies. Yep. And you know what those broken nobodies do? They go. They go boasting in their brokenness because they know who sent them. And as they go, it's a little bit of beauty showing up in the ash. I thought about that when I found this picture of new growth in the midst of an aftermath of a forest fire, you see all the dead around, and then you see one little tree starting to grow. And as the disciples went out to extend Jesus' love and his healing, there's just a little bit of new life in the ashes. You know what else? Your name is on this list of the disciples who were called and commissioned. Mine too. Maybe not spelled out here in the text, but it's here. We're called. Jesus sees our very deepest brokenness, and he sees our world's very deepest brokenness, and he calls us to go, to go in his name, extend his love 
and healing and justice. Will it be hard? It will be very hard. Remember that compassion in this sense, in the Greek sense of the word, it's not a nice sentimental feeling. It's a gut punch of agony. It is seeing, really seeing, the pain around us. It's really allowing the pain around us to break us. We don't have to have it all together to go. In fact, it's better if we don't think that we have it all together because then we remember who sent us and whose power goes with us. We just have to be willing. We have to be willing to listen and to allow what we hear to break us and to trust that at our most broken, new life can yet be found. The last few weeks as I have prepared for this sermon, I have seen little pockets of beauty in the midst of our mess. When I went to our e-library, I wanted to check out some books on racism and white privilege to prepare. And I got onto our e-library and every single book that I wanted to check out on racism and white privilege, every single one had a six-month waiting period or longer because so many people had put their names on a list to get it. And many of those books were sold out in the hard copy on, on like Amazon or Barnes & Noble. That seems a little bit hopeful to me that maybe what we've seen these last few weeks, maybe it has made us want to learn so that we can change. Maybe we want to understand the experience of people who are different than us. Another little pocket of beauty I've seen are all of those peaceful protests all over the country, even all over the world. And several articles that I read about those protests pointed out that one of the things that is different now is that so many more white faces are visible protesting. That finally, so many white people are standing up with people of color to say, this has got to change. That is hopeful. I've seen stories of local governments who are looking at policies and procedures and making changes that will hopefully make life a little bit more safe for people of color. I've seen relationships developing around me. I've heard conversations happening. And I know we have a long, long way to go. 
but I'm hopeful. I am hopeful because Jesus is still in our midst, because Jesus is calling us, the broken, to partner in his power to bring about beauty in our mess. One of the articles that I read recently quoted Reverend Tanetta Goodjoin, and she is the pastor of New Hope Presbyterian Church. In, it's a predominantly African-American congregation in Orange, California. And Reverend Goodjoin said, the conversation must shift from what the black community needs to do to what all Americans need to do. What does your congregation, meaning the black church, need from us, the white church? What do we do about your pain when the your becomes our? We move toward reconciliation. Did you catch that? When the your becomes our, we move toward reconciliation. At the end of the day, that's the ultimate truth. This is our pain. This is our sorrow. And we are called to work toward reconciliation for all of us. We need it. We need it to become the people that Jesus is calling us to be. Us. All of us. Together. In his name. I want to close our time by sharing one more pocket of beauty in our mess that I found this week. In South Africa, a country with a long and brutal, painful history of racial struggle, a diverse group of churches came together at the height of the quarantine related to the pandemic in April, and they sang a blessing over their country. So you had people of all different backgrounds and colors joining their voices and their hearts together to pray for their country. Take a listen. The Lord bless and keep you Make his face shine upon and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give 
wow. <laughs> what a picture of church. And that, Chapel Hill, is who we are becoming. We are a beautiful, diverse mess of people locking arms in the love of God, moving toward all that we are called to be. With Christ at our center, let us become the church of no more. No more is it enough to catch glimpses of the beauty in the mess. Now we will work with God and with each other to create more and more of that beauty. No more will we tolerate oppression of any kind. Now we will speak up when we hear a racial slur or a stereotype. No more will we assume that we are not part of the problem. Now we will educate ourselves. We will listen more than we talk, and we will be brave enough to confront our own biases. Now we will shout it to the world that every person, whatever color they may be, is fully deserving of worth and dignity, just as they are no matter what. We are all of us, gods. No more your. Now it's only our. We can do this, my friends. We have to do this. We are called for such a time as this. And Jesus, our Emmanuel, will be holy and completely with us. And together, we will create more and more beauty until this mess becomes the most beautiful thing God imagined. Amen. So let it be. Amen.